Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Scott Burfoot, a Winnipegger who's into the East Coast Hockey League Hall of Fame. And then Skylar Peters will deliver his divisional round NFL picks. That's all coming up on the podcast. The East Coast Hockey League inducted inducted its class of 2024 into its Hall of Fame this past week, and a Winnipegger was among the honorees. Scott Burfoot suited up in 298 ECHL games over five seasons, making the All-Star game four times and totaling 427 points. You do the math, that's a points per game of 1.43, which is sixth most all-time. Earlier today, I had the chance to catch up with Scott from Rockford, Illinois, where he now calls home. Well, Scott, first of all, congratulations on uh, the big honor. When did you find out that you were going to be going into the ECHL Hall of Fame? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I got a phone call in September from uh, former Commissioner uh, Kelly, who, uh, you know, it's a call from Charlotte, and I let it go to voicemail twice. And then, uh, then I listened to it, and I called him right back. And Mr. Kelly uh, just said, uh, just want to welcome you to the uh, ECHL, ECHL Hall of Fame and uh, told me the other guys that were going in and his wife was going in. So that's pretty, I was really honored and was really unexpected, but really, really happy. So was this something that was even, you know, on your radar that could happen for you or had you kind of just closed, closed the chapter on honors from your hockey career? pretty much closed the door on all the honors of the hockey career. Um, they, uh, you know, I knew, I knew I had some pretty decent numbers and I know some of the guys that had gone in and I was similar, but you know, I'm old. I am mid fifties now. And I don't, uh, I didn't think I'd be uh, one of the guys getting the call, but no, yeah, but something was totally unexpected, but uh, really glad that they made the call. So what has your week been like now that uh, all the, the honors have happened, the induction has happened? So it's been a crazy uh, week. So they flew me and my wife out of Chicago, the ECHL. They flew my daughters who live in Phoenix out to Savannah. And then my son, Zach, who's playing um, junior hockey in Estevan, <laughs> they, they flew him out of Minot to Minnesota. Like it, Minnesota to Atlanta back to uh, uh, Savannah. So that all happened on Saturday. And then, uh, so then on Saturday night, they uh, didn't have much. Sunday was a, what they called a fan fest. Um, and I don't know if you know much about the Savannah ghost pirates, but they, uh, it's a new team, two years old, and they've sold out just about every game they've had in the past two years. It's crazy. So we went in and did this fan fest and, met some people and that kind of stuff. And um, then we had a banquet after that. And then on Monday, that's when the ceremony was. Ceremony was at, uh, um, at noon. So, and yeah, had the ceremony, did the, did my speech was really happy to get that out of the way. And then, uh, um, then my wife and I decided to make it into a little mini vacation, stayed in two extra days. So it was nice. Savannah, Georgia, a little bit nicer than Rockford, Illinois in January? I came home with uh, about a foot of snow on my driveway. <laughs> it was not fun. So, but, yeah, it's it's nice. But, you know, the, it was like 50 degrees. So it was, 
I still wore shorts, but it was I still had to have a jacket on. Right. Uh, so for for you in this this whole week, then has it given you the chance to to reflect more on on what your career was in the ECHL? Because as you mentioned, it, it's you know I'm not trying to date you here, but it wasn't recent. It was in the '90s, and that's a while ago. So how much reflecting has been done on your part this week? You know what? For the last, I wouldn't say week. I'd say like the last two months. It makes you really think back to, you know, kind of who helped you. Because honestly, like I, so I grew up in Winnipeg, but I never played AAA hockey, and I got cut from every team I played for. Um, and then, uh, like I said in my speech, there was my coach Randy Swanson. He's from Winnipeg, and he was I, he coached me for four years, and that's that's kind of where my, I think maybe my different way of thinking. What happened was with him. He was the guy that made me challenge me and made me think hockey different. Because back in when I was 15, it was you know you skate around, you hit everything, and you know you don't. It wasn't quite the same. But um, so yeah, I did did some reflecting that way, and then I went through my junior years and uh, thinking you know everything that happened there, and then playing Division three college hockey, and I had uh, six. Five or six, six of my teammates from from my college days and my head coach come to come to the uh, ceremony as well, and and so did Randy. So it was, it was just a a great week, and yeah, reflecting wise, it was uh, it really makes you feel grateful for the people that you had in your lives and, and helped support me. What was it like in the ECHL in the nineties? <laughs> it was not the same as it is now. I can tell you, my first team was Roanoke, uh, Roanoke Rampage, uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Great, great town, great everything. The rink itself, though, was pretty old and dated. Um, and in in Roanoke, or Rich, pretty much Virginia, they don't if they have the thought of snow. The uh, um, you know the grocery stores are uh, empty. But anyway, I was, uh, we had a game. I was up, I, I, I was hurt, so I left. We had a game, and I'm watching it on this thing on CNN, and the, <laughs> the, uh, the roof collapsed during, during a game. They evacuated the building, but the, but the roof collapsed because there was snow, and, and it was a flat roof. So, um, and I saw that on CNN. Luckily, everybody got out. Nobody was hurt and all that kind of stuff, but um, – you know, as far as the hockey, the hockey was 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 good. It was tough. It was physical. You, uh, I mean, I was I'm not a big guy, and back in those days, you could hook, hold, grab, clutch. There was only one ref, so people could get away with a lot of things. Um, but you also had guys that could police you, and so it was good. It was really, you know, what it's good hockey, and I, it's not as fast, nowhere near as fast as it is today. That's for sure, but. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> so you got to play hockey in, in perhaps some untraditional spots. With you played for Huntsville, and that's in Alabama. You played with Erie. That's that's more of a of a hockey spot in Pennsylvania. And then you get you finish it off with the the Richmond Renegades. You also played in the UHL Quad City. You finish off with Rockford, who's now in the American Hockey League. But what do you remember about just? the different places you played in and what it was like to be there? Well, the uh, Roanoke was, was my first one, so I didn't know any different. And it was, like I said, the town was great. I paid, I stayed in a, in a hotel 
um, my first paycheck was 200 bucks. So it was like, I thought I was, you know, it, life didn't get any better than that. Um, then my next move was to Huntsville, Alabama and what a beautiful city, beautiful rink. Um, great weather. I remember that. And, uh, and good, good fans. We had that. So really enjoyed that. And then, uh, so going back to Erie, that's where I went to college. I went to Mercyhurst. It's Mercyhurst University now, but it was Mercyhurst College when I went there. So I was I was very familiar with that city, and uh, and then Richmond. I, I, we liked it so much we stayed there two years. Uh, great city, great uh, team, organization, and um, yeah. So it was. I, all of them are great. I had my one daughter was born in Erie. The other one was born in Richmond, and then the, my son was born in in uh Rockford. So they've been they they're all born in different places. <laughs> so when you're growing up then, you're you're not as you mentioned, you didn't play triple A hockey and and certainly nowadays it's it's hard to imagine someone getting to the to that level without that, but what would you say kept you going and, and kept the dream alive for you to become a pro hockey player? Well, what what changed me was when I met Randy and he started giving me some confidence and, you know, I had him for four years while I was in Winnipeg and um, he really, really did change the way I, you know, I had fun going to the rink and there was, and uh, you know, he let me make mistakes and do that kind of stuff and um, wouldn't get jumped down your throat sort of thing. And uh, so that was that. And then, you know, when I went to juniors, um, you know, it's tough to, when, when you're not sure if you're going to make the team, you're not, it's, it's tough to uh, keep, keep yourself motivated, you know, and it's, and when I was playing juniors, I wasn't thinking of NHL. I was thinking of going to school and that's all I was, that's all I was trying to do. And um, had pretty, you know, I had two good years in, in Estevan. And, uh, but even though I led this league in scoring in Estevan, they, uh, my, my, 20 year old season I had no I didn't have one division one offer and back in those days it might I, I led the league in scoring and Rod Brindamore was finished second and I, I so and then they all had division one uh, scholarships which is fine but I ended up having uh, one one offer from a division three school um, so try to even keep yourself motivated for that it was tough Ended up didn't like didn't like a few of the things that were going to happen at that school. So, and then I got my phone call from uh, Rick Gawkin here at uh, Mercyhurst College, and he played me. I was it was a brand new school, played me a lot, um, gave me the confidence that same as what Randy did. And um, by the time after the four years, I was I came out to the pros and. Can't say the rest is history, though, Christian, because I, I was cut from my first team in the East Coast League, and then uh, I back in those days, and then you just had to make phone calls, and the only team that would take me was was Roanoke. So, it wasn't it definitely not was not a easy journey. That's why I, when I said in my speech the other night, it this means a lot. So. So you mentioned earlier your son is playing now for Estevan in the SJHL. Uh, he's, I believe, injured now, but 16 games, 19 points so far this year. Uh, what's it like to see now your son kind of following your footsteps? Yeah, well, he's not injured. He uh, he was 
uh, just before Christmas. Uh, and he was playing in the North American League too earlier this season. Um, but he's, you know, I I can't wait to watch him. Like we get his game tonight at uh, uh, seven o'clock, and uh, uh, we get to watch it on TV. And I'm watching him go through it. He's actually living uh, with my uh, old my old junior teammate um, and his wife up there. I love and they they love each other so. Um, but to watch him watch him go through it, but now he's going through the same struggles. It's, you know, there's a lot of schools that you know have contacted him, but it, now we got to figure out what he wants to do. So it's a uh, it's 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 good, but it's different times too. So, um, but he's doing he's doing and he's doing excellent. He's over a point per game, so hopefully he'll he'll get something. Yeah, that, that's my bad. I saw the I beside his name, and I thought they meant injured. Then I scrolled down and saw the legend. That means import. So, uh, yeah, he's not hurt. He's just – he's from the U.S. He's a, he's a dual citizen. We got – he has Canadian citizenship and American. Okay. Hometown of Roscoe, yeah. Illinois. And uh, so, I'll, so I'll end on this then. You know, what happened after your career was done? What did you end up doing? So my final year, um, I was the uh, assistant coach for Rockford in the UHL. So I was here for, for two years, and then they removed that position. They didn't have assistant coaches anymore. So um, I ended up uh, finding a job. We really love the town. It's it's beautiful city. It's got a lot. It's got everything you want to be able to do here. And then, uh, and then about halfway through the Rockford's third season, I think, uh, they fired their coach and asked me to come back and coach for the rest of the season, and I did. Um, so I was a head coach for, I think it was like 20 games or something. But then after that, I got a, uh, I got a job offer here with the Rockford Park District, which is, um, and there's two ice rinks in town, and they asked me to run their hockey program. And uh, so I did that. I've done that, and I've, I've gradually moved up. Now I'm the manager of all the, all the rinks, and uh, that's what I'm doing. I've been with the Park District for 20 years. So still hockey related in some way. Still hockey. This, this is the first year I haven't coached. I was coaching my son's team and a bunch of other teams all through Chicago and and Rockford since since I got out of, of playing. So I was actually coaching a Pee Wee team when the Ice Dogs asked me to come and take over for the, for them to finish off that season. So <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been it's been hockey related for sure. Well, congratulations again, Scott, on this great honor. Happy that you're doing well, and uh, thanks for doing this. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Scott Burfoot, originally of Winnipeg, now in Rockford, and he is in the East Coast Hockey League Hall of Fame. Divisional round playoffs, often the best weekend of the NFL season. Here's hoping it will be after a pretty lousy wild card round. But Skylar Peters still went 3-0 with his picks in the wild card round. What's he got for us in the divisional round? Let's head into the sports book to find out. We start tomorrow afternoon with the Ravens hosting the Texans. Houston coming off a demolishing 
of the Cleveland Browns in round one, but oftentimes be wary of someone that looks amazing in round one. You might want to just press the reset button. They're going outside to Baltimore. Noah Brown is out now. There's basically Nico Collins and no one else for CJ Stroud to throw to at this point. It is a John Mechie, Canadian. Yeah, that's true. It, It is a big number. It is nine and a half recency bias i think for both of the teams that have earned their dates with the one seeds uh, we'll talk about green bay in a second obviously houston also looked exceptional exceptional in the first half just like green bay did three touchdown passes in the first half from cj stroud um, and his top target dalton schultz was he was only targeted three times had one catch it was for a touchdown of course and he was wide open in the end zone you're not going to get that kind of stuff against this baltimore defense and you're not going to be able to run on them either i don't think houston really you know says their bread and butter is their run game because it's certainly not it's just a really tough matchup for the texans who've exceeded all expectations obviously in year one under d'amico ryan's year one with their new quarterback year one with their centerpiece of Feels the defense like Will Anderson. Point, doesn't it yeah like bit. i mean if you go into mnt bank stadium and somehow knock off the one seed like we are laughing and then you're a uh, win away from the super bowl and right. uh, i think that's you know, I, I, this is why this is a nine and a half point spread. Baltimore seemingly kind of figured it out. They've got enough pass catching weapons, and it will be interesting to see. Like Houston could generate a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson, but uh, as we all know, Lamar Jackson, the ultimate escape artist, and he will burn you with your legs if you don't make that first tackle. So, I think my play, and I'm going to say this again in the in the San Francisco Green Bay game, is I'm going to take the one seed uh, first half because you're going to get under a touchdown in terms of a first half spread five and a half right now in this game i just think the you know the more well-rested better prepared team will come out at home and you know take care of business and we'll see if houston could do anything down the stretch of this game but it's a real tough matchup for a team that's got uh, you know a really bright future ahead baltimore it's all about right now so i think they'll uh, they'll probably do this one handily so baltimore minus six and a half is the number i've got in the first half okay yeah now. getting it under touchdowns the key there i okay. think i could i could certainly see it being 10 3 17 10 that and then sort of you thing. take out the back door that yeah. way yeah you can start counting your money at, at halftime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and also, I think the over in this game, there could be a bajillion points. Okay. We'll see. So the... Uh 44 and a half is the number right now but that's mm-hmm. going that's going down yeah actually. and I, I was actually going to bet it a couple days ago and i just took a look at the line movement and it has kind of been trickling down i think it opened at 46 so we're down already two and a half points um so i'm probably gonna hang on right till before kickoff okay so that is at 3 30 tomorrow then at 7 15 p.m oh, i'm so mad i'm missing this one man I will not be because i have a pvr and nothing else to do we've got the packers at the niners my arch nemesis against your arch nemesis. <laughs> Some of, one of us is going to be real disappointed to see their yes. least favorite team play in the NFC Championship. Yes. This is also nine and a half points. Yeah. The Niners, the other one seed, they looked like the best team in the league for most of the year, and then they got destroyed by Baltimore on Christmas. But still, that's a huge number against a seven seed that put up a ton of points against the Cowboys. The question is, can they do it again against a Niners defense that is supposedly very good? Over under in this one is 50 and a half as mm-hmm. well. And uh, the first half line on this one, also six and a half. So what do you want to do? Well, this is the one outdoor game where weather's not going to be a factor in it, obviously. Um, not Same can't be said for Baltimore. Same certainly can't be said for Buffalo, mm-hmm. as they're currently shoveling out um, their stadium at the moment, I believe, the good folks of upstate New York. Um, 
the same thing i think really like this is this is kyle shanahan this is kyle shanahan with a week extra to prepare and they're Um, healthy and that's the biggest thing with them and it yeah and it has been because they've had some holes in the secondary when they're not uh at full health now they are and uh we can't forget this is actually the number one offense in the nfl in terms of expected points added per play all season in the last uh half of the season i think starting week 10 week 11 green bay was number two in that same Mm. category so now you can see why that over under is where it is it's a little too high for me because this is an exceptional defense and green bay can really cover but they're really susceptible to the run and here you go there's not one guy i'd want to face less than christian mccaffrey especially with kyle shanahan then you throw in the debo samuel and every Everything else they can do with they the might, football Green on the Bay ground. They might have the ball for 21 minutes in this game. That's the thing. And it, it could be a slow-moving game. That's why I maybe would like the under here as well. If they do run the ball a lot, that clock's going to keep ticking a lot, especially if you know San Francisco gets out to this lead that they can sort of manage with the ground game. The only way you're going to win this is you're going to have to find a way to do what Brock Purdy did in Minnesota when the Vikings got the win. And that was concussion. <laughs> And keep him in the football game so he could throw turnovers. Yeah, there were there were some plays in that game that led us to believe that, oh, what's going on with Brock Purdy's mental state right now? And I don't know if, if the, the Packers can generate enough pressure to do that. I think Houston will have better luck doing that to Baltimore than the Packers would to, to Brock Purdy. And, you know, at the end of the day, when the ball comes out quick from Brock Purdy, you got guys like Samuel, George Kittle in the middle of the field, maybe McCaffrey on these checkdowns. I think he's going to have, you know, a game where he goes for 75% completion, maybe two touchdowns. If he saves himself from any INTs and they get a couple more on the ground, you know, this could get out of hand. So I'm going to do the same. I think it's minus six and a half probably for the first half spread. I'll do that with the Niners. Might take some CMC props. I mean, the, the touchdown's unplayable at this point. Yeah. It's like you have to put your mortgage on it just to get one month's rent. So uh, that's not going to be it for me. But maybe something in a receiving game over on the receptions or something like that. But uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stake too much money on watching my least favorite team roll the Green Bay Packers, that's for sure. Minus four seventy seven. We'll see about the under. We'll minus, see about the under. It's minus four seventy seven. That is for Christian absurd. McCaffrey to score a touchdown. That was like the Winnipeg Jets beating the Chicago Blackhawks last week. He's plus two twenty five to be the first one. Like that's no that's not even valuable either. Yeah, usually that's in the six to seven to one range, and you know he's going to do it. Of course, like, he scores okay. a touchdown like every game. The, the better bet might be taking Aaron Jones and just hoping that the Packers, you know, catch the Niners flat-footed at the start of this game or something. But I mean, that's just nuts. Wow. Okay, so that is the Saturday slate. We're we're being a little generous, letting Skyler pick first half spreads for these games because well, they're the tricky. Pickings are getting thin out here. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Sunday, we've got at two p.m. The Buccaneers at the Lions. Tampa Mm -hmm. Bay destroys an Eagles team that had nothing left to live for, while the Lions, in a very tight game, at the last moment, pull it out against the Rams. It's a a six-and-a-half-point spread in Detroit inside a covered field. Lions, six-and-a-half. You're inside a touchdown, which is important. Yeah, It's going to be a nutso atmosphere, and the question (laughs) really is, how much of last week was Tampa Bay being good and how much of it was Philly being bad? Philly was horrendous. I yeah. mean, something about teams in green jerseys and not tackling this season, whether it be the Seahawks or Eagles. I just have PTSD <laughs> from watching that. It was it was awful. Um, the Eagles deserved to die that slow death over the last six, seven weeks of the year, and, and they did. Um, listen, I I think the Bucks, uh are also kind of playing with house money. The one thing is, though, Baker Mayfield... He's banged up. Yes. His ankle is clearly banged up, and you could see it at the end of the game. Uh, they were still able to get it done. 
I still think he's going to go for a lot of passing yards on the secondary in Detroit, which hasn't been that good. Detroit number one defense against the run. Um, you know, Rashad White, we'll see what he can do. He actually looked really good against what's supposedly this stout Eagles run defense. I don't know how much you week. can really use what we saw last week. No, no, it's going to be a real challenge this time around. Um, so I do think that's going to resort to the Bucks. you know, maybe playing down because this is a touchdown spread in this game. Um, so I've, I've actually got both quarterbacks going for their over and passing yards. Uh, earlier in the week, I got Baker at 261 and a half I believe golf is 263 265 and a half not sure where those are now but um, I could see both these guys going for you know 300 280 that sort of thing um, it could be a shootout it certainly could I think the Bucks are going to hang around and that all depends on the health of Baker's ankle smaller play for me but I am going to take them plus six and a half I think this team has shown over the last month of the year now they've now won six of their last seven that you know they deserve to be here in the divisional round they they won their division it was poor they got the job done and you know now they beat a team that you know at the midway point of the season was 10 and 1 and everyone was thinking they were going to the Super Bowl Um, now they got to go on the road but they get a kind of a welcoming environment in terms of you know the field of play out there especially for an offense we've seen teams put up points at Ford Field not just the Lions over the course of the year so um, this one you know has all the makings of uh, an offensive slugfest and I do think the Bucks are going to keep this one close but I think I really do want to see the Lions in the NFC Championship myself I do too and I I think the Lions are going to win that football game the over under in that one is 48 and a half and climbing and finally, yeah. the game everybody wants to see. So hopefully it lives up to the hype. It usually does between these two teams. It's, it's close pretty much every time they play. It's the Chiefs at the Bills. Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game outside of a Super Bowl. Crazy. It's it's insane. And and this would have been an arrowhead if Kadarius Tony wasn't offside, yeah. probably. Yeah. Unless Buffalo goes down the field and ties it at that point. You never know what happens. But the Buffalo Bills are two and a half point favorites in this one with a tiny bit of juice on the two and a half. I'm not sure it'll get to three. But two and a half is what we got right now. You're basically picking a winner here. I think if you want mm-hmm. Kansas City, you're probably just going to take them plus 125. Um, but this is this is the game of the weekend. This is, this is the one game where we can use the word legacy. The other one's a bit with Lamar Jackson, but this, I mean, we've got a two-time Super Bowl champ. You've got the, maybe the best quarterback the Bills have ever had, this team that's never won before. This feels like it's not the Super Bowl, but boy, this is a gigantic well, game. The team that wins this game, you know, I would say is probably the favorite next week, depending on how Baltimore looks if they get this win over Houston, uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Do you, would you say legacy? Is it the legacy of Josh it's Allen? Allen. The, yeah, it, okay. it's Allen. Mahomes okay. has two He's rings. He's proven enough. Right he now. has two rings, right. and if he were to go into this and win a road playoff game, then go win another Super Bowl, and he's got three in four years. And we're starting the now, greatest of all time talks. Now we're getting into the to those kind of things. But for Allen, it, this feels like when Man, and, and people have brought this up before, but Manning and Brady, where Brady's won a few Super Bowls, Manning hasn't been able to beat them in Foxborough. And then in that 06 AFC title game at home, home, they come back, they win it, and they win the Super Bowl. This is obviously only round two, but to have it in his home building now, this feels like of all the times to do it against this Chiefs team that does not inspire a lot of confidence. This feels like the the chance. The question is, of course, the Bills are super banged up on defense. Two days fewer rest because they have to play on Monday. And can Josh Allen not turn the ball over? 
Dallas is not turning the ball over well, thank against you very much for listening to the It's probably not getting shine, but they have an all-pro cornerback in Trent McDuffie. You can hear more obviously have stars all over the defense. Chris Jones, all of these guys that can make things happen. Allen under pressure does concern me a little bit. I'm going to be on the side of the Chiefs money line. So farewell. I would love to see Allen get this done, kind of similar to 2021. Joe Burrow gets it done. It advances past the Chiefs in the, in the uh, AFC Championship, goes to the Super Bowl. This kind of feels like that game to me. I mean, obviously, these are the, the three top flight quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, Maybe even the NFL. Yeah, well, you know, the AFC is the quarterback's conference right now, for sure. Yeah, because if you look at, as a quick aside, the four quarterbacks left in the NFC are Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, and Jared Goff. Yeah, Gave, given up on by his team, Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield given up on by three teams, teams now. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Love had to sit behind a Hall of Famer and for Brock his Purdy first was the three last years. Pick of the draft. There you go. And one of them is going to play for the Super Bowl. Yes. It's kind of crazy. And then you got all these guys that could be wearing gold jackets at the end of their career. Literally all four of them in the AFC. The, you know, the yeah. verdict's out on some of them for sure, but the potential is there for oh, any for, single oh, yeah. one of them. Also, so definitely. Um, <laughs> I want to see the Bills get it done, but I just can't. You can't go with the Chiefs. You can't go Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid in the playoffs. Until and, they beat them. And there's a plus sign in front of that number. How yeah. do you not take that? Until the Bills beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. You kind of feel like you got to go with the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes is 8-1-1 in his career as an underdog. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often. But a chance to with less money on the Chiefs, it's hard to resist, right? Yeah, and it seems like kind of the... You know, the, the square play, as they would say in the gambling universe, I think everyone's of the same mind as us. They see the number of the team and they say, here we go. And, and just the one thing, like the, the Kansas City, you know, passing offense has not been great. Uh, this does feel like a game where Travis Kelsey can, you know, put a big stake in his gold jacket legacy, which is pretty much cemented already, obviously. Yeah, is, yeah. uh, and, you know, have a big game in the middle of the field because I think that's kind of the spot where the Bills might get exposed, especially with their injuries now in the second and third levels of the defense. So, yeah, I, I think the the preparation time lack thereof for Buffalo versus Kansas City is not enough that will be outweighed by like the fans in buffalo because the conditions at whether it be at arrowhead or in buffalo aren't going to be that much and remember last year Bengals went in to buffalo and crushed them right so yeah we've seen them lose at home before. i want to see it happen i i hope there's a eight bajillion points in this game Goes tony to romo jim nance yeah. are lose their voices all of this all of that but uh yeah at the end of the day chiefs money line is is where i'm gonna go with that for sure okay so to recap He's going to take some... Uh, some oh, little... one more I'll oh, throw in. I actually okay. forgot to mention this. Okay. In the Lions-Bucks game, like uh, the Eagles-Bucks game was the one I watched the most of, and I was kind of surprised. At, yeah, seriously. At how uh, little Chris Godwin was oh. being utilized. This is a guy that's got a $28 million cap hit next year, uh, and he's going to remain a buck because the dead cap's like 26. He needs to... I think they need to scheme him in more, and uh, he needs to get the ball more. So I'm going to go on pretty much all of his overs, maybe even a touchdown, okay. um, because this is a good buy-low spot for number four. Okay, so take that under advisement. But the official picks for Skyler this week are Ravens first half, minus six and a half. Niners first half, minus six and a half. Both of those for the games are nine and a half. Big backdoor worries for those two. Sit back and count your money watching the second half, folks. Or try to chase it in the second half when you (laughs) lost it. Uh, Buccaneers plus six and a half. That's the spread in Detroit. The only game he's actually picking, the normal spread. And Chiefs, why pick plus two and a half when you could just take the straight up money line? Chiefs plus 125 to win it. There you go. Well, hopefully the games are good and uh, we'll reconvene for championship weekend next week. Yes, sir. Getting there. Seven games left on the season, guys. This is pretty crazy.